When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to Vavil UK's very own Newcastle United podcast, Tyne Warp. I'm your host, Harry Roy, and this week, as usual, I'm joined by Dan Wright and Alex Wood. Three games have passed since our last episode. We've only gone and won the lot, haven't we? It's four Premier League wins in a row, ten victories in 14, and Newcastle are now ninth, yes, ninth, in the Premier League table. Before we discuss where Eddie Howe's statue should go... Lads, was last week something we as supporters and writers should get used to? Winning football matches all the time? <laughs> get used to it. I hope so. I think it, it. I mean, even if we spend another hundred or million or whatever we're going to spend, I, I think we're not going to probably win 10 games out of every 14. That's no. It's just a stupid run that we're on. It's it's ridiculous, really. Like, it's It's almost hard to grasp. I mean, I'm looking at the form table every week going... After fifteen last fifteen games, we're third in the league, and it's like that's like nearly half a season. That's unbelievable. Yeah, um, I the job that Eddie Howe's done and the run we're on is bonkers. It's frankly just astronomically crazy. Um, and to say that we've we've beaten sides that we never normally win against. Um, obviously we'll get onto each one of them individually, but in fact we we won at Norwich for the first time in nearly 27 years we beat Leicester who are always a monkey on our back and we finally did one over Palace like oh, it's been a dream week it really has it's been a Brazilian week it's been anything you could possibly imagine it's been great but is it going to be normal is it going to be the norm probably not it's Newcastle United 
But I mean, that Norwich game in particular, I mean, I, that for me was probably my favourite win out of the lot. I mean, they were all fantastic. I mean, look, Bruno's 95th minute winner against Leicester will live along in my memory at St James's Park. But that win away, it wasn't just a, a, a win. It was a comfortable one at that. It's something, as Newcastle fans, that we never, ever do it easy. You know, it's usually a 1-0 or a 2-1, but we were 3-0 up after about 50 minutes. And I imagine that away, Dan, I mean, you were there. Just what was that like? Because I've I seen a thing on Twitter that there was more fans with the tops off than had them on by 60 minutes. <laughs> it was absolutely party mode. Like, it was just brilliant to be a part of. Like, everyone was going mad. I mean, the songs, there's a few old classics. Just everyone's having a really, really good time, which, I mean, I've been to a lot of Newcastle away games this season, and it's really not always the case. In fact, it's quite quite rare. Like, I was at, the last one I was at before this was Spurs, and it's it's no fun seeing the fourth and fifth goal, goal go in you. So it's... It's a really nice change and yeah, I know it's Norwich City who are destined for the championship and have been for pretty much all season. But it's a three nil away win in the Premier League. Don't I'm not gonna take that away from Eddie Howe and his team and some of the performances were just I mean, I'll start with Bruno. I mean, he's just every time you watch him, I don't think he's put a foot wrong. A real classy footballer and his goal summed that up. I mean, it was a fantastic moment celebrating right in front of the away end with the flag and the hat. It was just the type when you think of watching Newcastle away, it's days like that that make it all worthwhile. It was fantastic. I mean, we'll we'll get on to Joel Linton, who was the man of the match on that in that game. But Alex Bruno, we, we need to talk about him because look, I think we all knew when he came in we were getting a classy player. I mean, look at look at the teams who were interested in signing them. But I don't think any of us expected him to hit the ground running so quickly and be this good. I mean, he scores goals. He's, his range of passing is excellent. I mean, everything this lad does is just quality. If you can describe it, Alex, just how good is he? World class. In, what, 50 minutes at Norwich, he played 28 passes. Not one was astray. He had 100% like success rate and passes until, um, God knows, the 63rd minute, I think, was the first time he misplaced a pass. And then, um, obviously, he was taken off quite soon later. But, um, yeah, if I have to describe him as that, he is, he is up there. He's... The best Bruno in the Premier League at this present moment. He's the best anyways, man. <laughs> I mean, Dan, I want to talk to you about Joel Linton because he got two goals. I mean, it was a fantastic performance from him, but he was in a position that we've not had him in for a long, long time. And that is as a, as a forward. I mean, he started off as a centre forward, I think, in the game and then how shifted him out wide and he grabbed two goals. Does that mean for you, where do you stand on his position? Because I think Howe's kind of flirted at the option of maybe having him as a forward once again? For me, the performance told me that he is a centre midfielder. I still think his best position centre midfielder. I think he's an absolute warrior and he's just and he's just learning it. Like I think that he's got so much potential to grow into an even better version of what we've seen this season. But it also showed me he's a, that if we're short in any way in one of the three up-front positions, he's, he can do a job. Like it was very different having Chris Wood up there because Chris Wood, he's a number nine, he's a striker, he will stay in that position. Whereas Joe Linton, I mean, he got put out left at one point, he moved around a lot more and sort of interchanged with the other two up front, which sort of added a fluidity in Newcastle's attack, which he benefited from. And I think you've just got to look at his confidence, really. The two finishes, I mean, the first one is just a hell of a strike. And the second one, I mean, a few months ago, maybe last season, would he have missed? I mean, it's... A little bit of a wide angle on his weaker foot. Like it's not an absolute given that Joe Linton scores that. So I was glad to see him do well. But for me, certainly for the Liverpool game, I'd like to see him back in a in a centre midfield position. 
But yeah, I mean, I could talk all day about Joe Linton. He's he's by far the fan favourite at the minute, isn't he? Like, there's not a pop, more popular goal scorer than him. I mean, he runs all the way to celebrate with the fans, which is just amazing. And he, at the end, I, I think he stayed for about five minutes well, longer yeah, than everyone else, getting serenaded. <laughs> yeah, honestly, it was, it was, it was. I was at Brentford as well, and it was very similar at Brentford. Like, he just absolutely loves the adulation of the crowd and. It's so nice to see him loved because he's had such a horrible time of it throughout his time at Newcastle. But yeah, what what a player! And if he if he can be versatile and do the odd game in that position, then more for it. Like it's another strength with Bo. I mean, he thoroughly deserves the adulation that he's getting, Joel Linton. I mean, look, he's mm. going to be the player of the season. He's the most improved player at the club this season, and he's never shied away though, has he? Even throughout his time here, yeah, I mean, one thing you could never fault Joel Linton for, yes. He wasn't, you know, even in his, his darkest days as a Newcastle player, was he always gave 100%. And now with that tactical noose that Howe's given him, a new lease of life in midfield, and I think even Bruno being here as well. I mean, look, he's come over from Germany at a young age, doesn't know the language. It's a, it's a, it's a big, you know, a big culture change. I don't think people, a lot of people realise that. And, you know, maybe having Bruno here has took him to that next level, especially under Howe. But, Alex, a bit like what Dan said there is, it's, I think Joe Linton is... He's absolutely a much better midfielder than he is a forward. But if he can slot into those those forward line positions when we have injuries, it's only a bonus, isn't it? Yeah, of course. And uh, like you've got to look at other players that that played in them positions as well as Dan mentioned the fluidity of the front three. You've got Jacob Murphy that before that weekend had played a, a right wing back predominantly. You've got Alan St. Maximan that has played pretty much every position. I think left back is the only position he hasn't played this season. <laughs> like he's. He, He's played everywhere as well, so that fluidity allows Eddie Howe more adaptability within his within his side. It also allows uh, Joe Willock to find more of a position in that midfield, which he's kind of far isolated from with Joe Linton doing so much of good work in there. But no, I agree with um, Dan. It, it was I don't want to brag about our, our, us three and our creative talents and how great we are at football, but um, like it was us that were saying Joe Linton's not a number nine. He's a 10, he can be an 8, but he, by the looks of it, he's also learned how to be a 7 and a 6. So, great, good for him. That's absolutely amazing. As you have all said, adapting to the English football game is difficult for everyone, unless your name is Bruno Gummeresh, apparently. <laughs> Just world class, isn't he? I mean, and speaking of world class, that's what Newcastle are at the minute. I mean, when we play Liverpool on Saturday... It's the two most informed teams in the league playing against each other, which is incredible. But, I mean, this form at the minute that we're on, it's an incredible ride that we're waving. And I think even next year and maybe the years after that, when, you know, hopefully, you know, I can't believe we've even seen this, you know, fighting for titles in Europe and that sort of thing. I think these are the days we need to cherish the most as supporters, where we're just taking everything in our stride. And even if we lose, it's a minor setback. And when we win, it's the best feeling in the world. But we are ninth in the Premier League. We hadn't won... Any games out of our first 14 this season. Eddie Howe has got us in the top 10. We're on 43 points. We are a point ahead of Leicester. We've got two games in hand. At, you know The chasing pack being Brighton, Brentford and Southampton. Just a couple of points behind us. We have got some tough games coming up to finish off. But lads, do we think that we can see the place in the top 10? Which I think is just unprecedented for the start we've had. It would be mental. We've given the whole entire league. What was it? Was it 14 games? 14 before we won games, that? yeah. 14 game head start, like it's stupid, really. It shouldn't be possible. Do I think we'll do it? Probably not with the fixtures, but it doesn't really matter. Like, no one thought it was a possibility, no one even considered it, but now we're in it. It would almost be a shame if we didn't. Yeah. 
But yeah, I think Man City, Liverpool, Arsenal and Burnley will not be an easy game, you know, with them fighting for their lives and, you know, I mean, do we want to bin we? Do we want to beat Burnley? It's like, an interesting I'm not one sure. though, isn't it? Because I think I've said is like I don't want to ever see Newcastle United lose a game, and I, the whole Everton thing. Like I, I get like, there's a lot of hatred, mind. I mean, I, I, I get that the two sets of supporters don't really like each other, but it's 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 actually turning into a bit of a rivalry. And I think if Newcastle needed to win the game for top ten, then I want us to win, regardless of what's happening at the bottom. But if we've got absolutely nothing to play for, say we're like eleventh or twelfth then I don't really mind us throwing it. I don't know whether you guys think that. I mean, I, I would never want Newcastle going to a game wanting us to... Like, even if... Obviously, I'd rather Burnley stayed up than Everton, but it's Newcastle United playing a game of football. I'd always want Newcastle to win. Mm-hmm. It's just that I wouldn't be too devastated no. if we didn't. No, that's a good way. Like, I think that's the best way of putting it. Like, I'd still be going into the game hoping and, you know, Newcastle win, get a few more points, you know, a bit more confidence going into the transfer window, etc. But, yeah, it, it, I would get over it pretty quickly, I think. <laughs> It's top ten, on, Alex. Uh, I I don't really care. Um, <laughs> I, as as you guys have said, when you said that like it's unprecedented and everything like that, it is. No one has even survived. No one's finished sixteenth after not picking up a singular yeah. point after the first fourteen. Let's just get through that our heads, okay? The Premier League has been this embodiment of a league of top tier football for so many years, and no one has ever done that until now. We've done that. Newcastle United, little old Newcastle, the place no one wants to live, they've done it. Eddie Howe's done it. Those boys have done it. Where we finish now is regardless. The fact we even are talking about the fact we can sit on the beach for the last five games and not give a damn is a joke. How has this even happened? But I will 100% stick with what both of you have said. I don't want us to lose another football game. If we go unbeaten for the rest of the season, can we even be talking about European mags next season? Let's think about that one. It does make you think, though, doesn't it? If we did have Howe and you know the takeover and everything in place at the start of the season, how high could this team have finished? I, to be honest, I think knocking on the door of West Ham and Man United, if I'm being brutally honest, and I know a lot of people next season. I mean, it's just a fleeting thought of now, and I think everybody, only Castle fans, in agreement here. A top ten finish in a good cup run will be a successful season next year. But it does make you think that the gap really from obviously Liverpool and Man City are untouchable Chelsea are in their own little world but everyone from 4th to 7th I would say is beatable and can easily finish above them as long as you get it right Yeah I mean it's it's mad isn't it because if we we probably have talked about like what we'd expect next season if we stay up and I think yeah. we probably would have all said something like oh you know it'd be nice to be around the top half you know maybe 8th to 12th and that's where we are now it's like we're miles ahead of schedule mm-hmm. but Fans need what what I need think we could be wary of is let's not go into the season with like stupidly high expectations and acknowledge that this this run of form, as amazing it's been, isn't gonna be the norm. No. Like it can't be the norm. Like and if we are, are we and if we are around sort of eighth, ninth this time next year, that's a solid improvement and a base to build off. Like I know that I've seen quotes today from Bruno Bruno's agent saying they want to get top four next season, which just makes you excited. But we need to have a bit more realistic ambition and think, you know what, top half a cup run would would be a, a really good effort. It's doable though, isn't it, Alex? There is such a thing as growing too quickly, boys. Very there true. is. Like you, We've all said this all the way through, that steady as she goes, each season as we take it, Let's build a proper project that we're going to be proud of and not splash 
a, a billion pounds in three years and do do whatever that, and then end up like Everton five years down the line. Let's not do that. Let's do it slowly. But current history would tell you that it is a hundred percent doable. I'm not saying we're the five hundred to one Leicester City team. I'm not saying that at all. But obviously there are there are teams that have a lot worse squad than us us that have reached top four and have reached European football. I'm not I'm not calling West Ham a worse side than us. I'm not. Please don't uh, uh, attack anyone, West Ham fans. But if you put their team their team up against ours, I'd take us any day of the week, lads. Yeah, I think West Ham have kind of given a bit of a beacon of light to even the teams who you'd expect to be around us next season, you know, Leicester, Wolves, Villa, all them sort of teams that, you know, you, you can have a knock at the top six. And I think we, we've got a good core squad. I mean, if we add on it in the summer, we're going to we're gonna get on to um, the summer spending sort of near the end of the episode. But I think with the correct players, it depends how much we spend, of course, what the plan is, that it is absolutely possible. But let's not get ahead of ourselves too far. We've got a game on Saturday, and it's quite a big one. Not really for Newcastle, but for our opposition, Liverpool. It's a, it's going to be an incredible game. I'm absolutely buzzing for it. I'm sure everybody is in the town. Going there with no expectations is going to be really nice and, and getting to see just how well Newcastle fare against this incredible Liverpool team. Of course, going for the title, it's neck and neck between them and, and Manchester City. My first question is, our home form has been spectacular. I think another win, it would break the home wins Premier League record outright set by Sir Bobby Robson and matched by Eddie Howe in that win in midweek against Crystal Palace. But do we have a legitimate chance at home against Liverpool of getting a result? I think so. I mean, obviously Liverpool are favourites and I think they probably will just about have enough, but I certainly think we'll give them a good game of football. I don't think it'll be a walkover, no. that's for sure. I 100% agree. Um, what's stopping us from attacking them? What's stopping us from defending for our lives? The unity is there, the bond is there. As long as each man does his job, he wants to say it. They're playing a full-strength side this evening as we're recording this on a Thursday evening at nine o'clock in, um, 7 o'clock in the evening. Not 9 yet, lads. Um, 7 o'clock in the evening. They're playing a full-strength side against Villarreal in the Champions League. It's Wednesday. That's not a long recovery time. Yes, they're at home. And yes, they've got a very deep and very talented squad that could do most teams over. But Newcastle are on the run of form for their lives. The momentum's with both teams. Can we upset the title race and truly make everybody hate us? <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting thought, I think. Like like I've kind of said before, I'm just excited for the game, really. And it does give me flashbacks, though, to that game in 2019 where we had nothing to play for. Liverpool were going for the title alongside Manchester City. I think it was the penultimate game of that season, our last home game, and we gave them a hell of a match. I mean, you think even Jurgen Klopp after the game turned around and said, God, you would think it was like a cup final for them. I mean, it was an amazing atmosphere. We lost 3-2 in the end, but it was a, an interesting game when a certain Fabinho uh, dove to the floor. They got a free kick and Rigi scored. But do you think a repeat of that is in the offing in terms of the the fight that Newcastle will, will have going into this game? Because, look, I, I think everybody in that stadium, regardless of whether they want Liverpool to win the league or not, is going to want us to upset this title race as much as possible. Yeah, I mean, it, that game, I remember it as being a really good game of football and a really good performance from Newcastle. Yeah. And, I, you know, I just, I mean, it was an eight o'clock kickoff, I think, or something like that. So I'd had a few drinks. So I just checked before and had a look, you know, doing my research before. And I, I remembered it to be correct. I mean, Newcastle had more shots than Liverpool that day, more shots on target. They set up in sort of a pragmatic manner, but were very good, effective on the counter-attack. I think we only had about 30% possession, but... Going forward, we did as much, 
if not more than Liverpool, we just didn't have the same quality on the day. So I, I almost think the game plan that night is a perfect way to go for this. You know, just soak it up, but be proactive on the counter-attack. And I think that is pretty much what Eddie Howe will do. It's Eddie Howe to a T. If we go more broadly about Eddie Howe, the one thing that has surprised me about him is that he has been more um, pragmatic than I'd expected him mm-hmm. to be. I thought he was, you know, we all had this idea of attacking football, but he couldn't necessarily defend. I mean, we've kept a lot of clean sheets under him and a lot of the football hasn't been brilliant. Like, But we've been in games and when you're in games and the fitness has improved like it has, you always stand a chance. You give that extra few percent chance and that's what's helped us out. So I think it'll be a very sort of defensive lineup with the emphasis of catching them. Like, if Liverpool are pushing for a goal, that's the best thing. If Newcastle can keep it level for as long as possible, Liverpool will get more and more nervous, keep pushing. And, of course, they've got, like, some more salary. We might just fire one in from 30 yards and take the lead. Mm-hmm. But the longer it stays at that at level, the more chance Newcastle have got in behind. And that, for me, has got to be the game plan. Especially, you know, when you, you factor in, they've obviously got that game in midweek as well. And I think tired legs may come into factor a little bit but it's a shame that Callum Wilson's not going to make this game because I think he would have been perfect wouldn't he mm-hmm. you know yeah, for that you know on the break and, and finding that finisher that's my only concern in the game obviously look we're playing arguably the best side in the world there is no expectation on us like we've said so many times but putting the ball in the back of the net is going to be a difficult one I mean look it's an, it's an incredibly hard task already going up against Virgil van Dijk because he's head and shoulders above any defender in the world but I just think we're going to lack that maybe that cutting edge going mm-hmm. forward but I think tactically if we set up like you said Dan it, with you know on the break that sort of thing be flexible in the way we play we've got a chance but I watched Everton play like we all were living the Merseyside derby yes they lost the game 2-0 but it was a very very interesting approach wasn't it because I mean like, they just set up to pause the game as much as possible make a nuisance of themselves waste time is this something that we should do Alex maybe adopt a similar approach because we are a better side than Everton I think if we can do something similar to this, maybe it'll come to greater effect for Newcastle. God, I really hope not. I hope not as well, mind, but it, it was God, effective. I really hope not. It, yeah, it was effective, but it, it also made Everton fans really angry. It would ruin everything that St James's is kind of known for over these past couple of weeks. Like, And what we've built in this home run, we've built an atmosphere because these boys care, these boys matter, these boys want to drive. And then if you're going to sit there and try and kill the game off after 10 minutes, the boo birds are going to come out really early and it's going to derail everything. I'd so say, I don't know, let, because I think if you go toe-to-toe with them, Alex, we'll get absolutely slaughtered. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm, not saying go, I'm not saying go toe-to-toe. I'm not saying let's pass the ball around as nice as Liverpool uh, versus Man City would have done. I'm not, I, I, please don't think I'm saying that at all. Let's defend, let's sit back, let's soak up that pressure. And I completely agree with Dan. Let's counter Let's do it. Because, and especially, let's count it down that right-hand side. Let's show the world and show everybody that everyone's been right about Trent Alexander-Arnold. And he can he really defend? Let's shove Maxi down there. Let's shove Bruno down there. Let's shove Joe Linton down there. Let's triple-team the man. Let's get a load of space out there so they shove over, cross the ball, boom, easy-peasy. Let's do it. Let's counter them. Let's do it. Let's take it to them at some point. But the one thing you've got to be careful with Liverpool with, and this is what Everton did wrong, in my opinion, is if you go in this toe-to-toe with them and not passing football and everything like that, I'm talking physically in the box, mano-a-mano, toe-to-toe type thing, you cannot back down 
for a single minute. And I'm talking about Anthony Gordon. I'm talking about Jordan Pickford. They backed down. They tried to make Liverpool look foolish and tried to do that. You cannot do that for a single minute. It is fight for your lives and fight for every every single second of it. And that is exactly what I think these boys should do because the crowd, that's going to sell out obviously on, um, on Saturday when we play them. But it is going to be, again, they'll be right behind all these boys fully from the starting whistle to the final one. I mean, that's, there's no doubt about it that the support's going to be unreal on Saturday. The atmosphere will be brilliant. Regardless of it being at half 12, I think it'll be excellent. But I want to get onto the team selection, lads. Obviously, Joe Linton played in full position. I thought the midfield was very, very good against um, Norwich. We made a lot of changes in that game. So, w- what would you what would you do? Would you, would you kind of go with Bruno, Shelby and Joe Linton in the midfield? Or would you keep him out on the wing, maybe up front, and, and bring in Joe Willock for his legs? I'm interested to know your thoughts on this. Personally, I would go back to the three that you mentioned before. I just think it's been working so well at home. It's worked well all the time. I think the link-up of Joe Linton and Bruno just works. Shelby's a bit deeper and he looks happier there. He's spraying passes. He's having more control over the game. I do worry about Shelby getting overran potentially against this midfield, but I think he can manage it. You know, he he did quite well at Anfield. He scored a great goal in the 3-1 loss. I think those makes more sense to me. I think Willock's legs that you mentioned could be really effective off the bench because he can dribble past players, he can pick a pass. He's, you know, he's scored a few this season now, so he he should have a bit of confidence front of goal. I think Willock from the bench is a very dangerous option that I would use. I agree, and I think Niggy's the other option as well. Mm-hmm. I think Niggy off the bench as well is get that energy, get that fast pace, and he'll have a bit of confidence with him as well um, after scoring. That absolutely delicious goal at Crystal Palace. Oh, God. We haven't even talked about that effort and that finish from Miguel Almoron. Oh, my God. What yeah, a goal that was. Did you see the one he missed at Carrow Road, though? That was more like the Miggy that I know. <laughs> yeah, don't, we don't talk about that one, right? Yeah, no, we don't talk about that one. I mean, to be fair, um, Miggy, since Fraser's got injured, I mean, he's really stepped into that team and yeah. done a grand job. But if Fraser is fit this weekend, I think it's, it's only. Uh, I think he might be available. Would you start him for this game? I mean, that's an interesting one because you've got three players there that are all kind of in with a shout of starting on that, that wide position because you think Maxi's nailed on to start on one side, Wood's probably definitely going to start in the middle and it's like, it's one of Fraser if he's fit, certainly his form, you wouldn't mind if he comes back in, but if there's any sort of doubt, you'd probably leave him. And then it's between Almron, who's played really well when he's come in, and Murphy, who I don't think's let the side down. I mean, in front of goal, he falls to pieces, but so does Almron. So for me... If we're assuming Fraser's not quite going to make it, it's a tough choice between Almron and, and Murphy. Like you've got Mil- Almron who will never stop running, and you've got Murphy who's very direct and more likely to sort of know what he's doing, putting crosses in, etc. So, I wonder what you who you think should start because I'm sort go, of undecided. I would go with Ryan Fraser to be honest. I just think Murphy. If we get a guilt edge chance in the box, I mean Liverpool, you're probably going to get one or two chances to score. You've got to take them. Murphy, I don't fancy. Same no, no, with Almiron. I think with Fraser, he's probably the best finisher. I think he's a great cross of the ball. Mm-hmm. He grafts, he puts the work in defensive. I just think he's the best all-round player. And, and in a game like this where you're only going to get one or two opportunities, I, I'd want them to land to Ryan Fraser over them three. But to be honest, I wouldn't be too disheartened if any of the other two started because I think they'll all do a job. But like I said, as long as the players are given maximum effort on Saturday, I don't think anyone can have any complaints. No, I think that's fair, yeah. 100%. All in agreement then? Fantastic. I don't think we're all going to be in agreement when it comes to our predictions though. Uh, Dan, do you want to roll with this one first? It's Liverpool at home. It's a half-twelve kick-off. 
Sorry, Jurgen, it is half twelve. St James's <laughs> Park, what are you going for, mate? Look, I think it's going to be tough. I just think I can't see, even if we defend well, I can still see them stick him on in top corner from 30 yards. Mm-hmm. I do think we're going to get beat. It'll be a good performance, but I'm going to go 2-1 to Liverpool. Go on then, Alex, what do you think, Matt? 1-0 Liverpool, Divock Origi to break our hearts. I'm going to go for a repeat of 2019. I'm going to go 3-2 Liverpool. I we'll give them a great game. And I think VAR and a certain Mike Dean working VAR that day might just have a hand in a, a controversial moment at the end of the game. But I think we're all in unison. That'll be a good performance from Newcastle, but they're just going to come up short. But looking forward to it, it should be a great test against a really good side. And if Newcastle can derail the title race, then you know, that'll be, we would produce some fantastic scenes inside St. James's Park. But before we wrap up today, we've got another little closing point for everybody this week. And it is tactics heading into the summer transfer window and are there some in play from Eddie Howe and Amanda Stavely and Cole? Because I've seen some mixed messages over the last few weeks, I'm sure we all have as well. We've seen players and agents like John Joe Shelby, he he turned around in the press and said Newcastle are going to be PSG and Man City big in the next few years, which implies lots of money, Champions League football. Yeah, Bruno Guimaraes' agent in an interview today in the Chronicle turned around and said Newcastle are targeting Champions League football next season. They told Bruno that with a view to winning the Champions League and the Premier League. Then you've got an article in the Telegraph that was written, which you'd assume came via the ownership group in some respect, saying there's a spend of around £60 million. So where does the the truth lie? Because I think for me it's it's somewhere in the middle, but I'm kind of leaning towards a, a bigger spend and maybe how when the owners are just lowering the expectations of the fans before going into the summer because it'll help from a negotiation perspective and there's not a lot of you know pinned hope on from fans of Newcastle who go and spend 200 million in the summer and push for Champions League I'm not sure they're trying to lower the expectations of the fans as such like I think look, they've come out haven't they and said look we want to win the league we want to win the Champions League they've said that like expectations are sky high of the consortium which is Lovely to see. I think maybe the point you made about negotiations, like heading to the negotiation table with other football clubs, could be a good point because it's like, well, we've only got such and such because of FFP. Like, you might get a more reasonable deal, perhaps. But I, I agree. I think we'll certainly spend north of a hundred million, in my opinion. Which again, just a similar sort of amount to what we spent before. Add four or five new players, and if you add four or five new players, and you sell the players that of being fringe players that aren't good enough and you the squad sort of works its way around so you've got a much better bench, a much better squad, then all of a sudden it's like we can compete with the West Ham and Wolves of the league straight away in my opinion. Uh, you've got to spend it smartly of course. We mentioned Everton before who were currently in the bottom three. I've got every faith in them to spend it smartly. Look at what we did in January and the run have been on since. So yeah, I reckon about 100 million-ish. I don't think it'll be like anything too crazy but I could be wrong again it is that somewhere in the middle isn't it it is it's not going to be we only spend 20 million pounds and Newcastle fans are clamouring for us to open the purse strings and we relive the Ashley days and start getting flashbacks and like PTSD about transfer windows and stuff like that please don't think that that's going to be the case again the argument kind of comes which do you do first do you improve the squad or do you get rid of the dead wood I think it's a good point because there's plenty of dead wood. I mean, there's some players who are still under contract. You think, actually, we might have to like pay them off. And you know, the Jeff Hendricks of the world, like, he'll be on an extortionate wage for the level that he is. And the championship clubs that will probably be courting him won't be able to pay that. 
So I don't know if we'll have to even pay people off at some point. Like, it's a bit crazy some of the transfer business we've done and some of the contract lengths that we've offered out. So we're hamstrung a little bit by that, I feel. Dwight but Gale's I another think, one there. Dwight Gale's another one, but I think, again, wages could be an issue, but I think there's championship clubs mm. that will be queuing up to, ha to have a signature. Look, I think we can be smart as well in, with the acquisitions because there's certain players that are available on a free contract. I'm talking Jesse Lingard makes a lot of sense. Like, the yeah. way he did at West Ham, he's not signing a new contract in Manchester United, is he? Like, no. he's clearly not happy. James Tarkovsky, I'd I'd still have James Tarkovsky as a squad really player. Good, I think he's I think he's really good. Yeah, I think he massively improves the overall squad and adds, you know, he's English. He adds that. So there's players you can pick up on a free, building the squad, and then maybe add add a superstar like a Bruno into the mix, and all of a sudden it's a fantastic transfer window. So we don't have to spend two hundred odd million to, to have a good window that can progress the football club. Yeah, because I think we've got a good existing core squad as it is, and like mm -hmm. we said before, if the season started with this team and you know the, the bounce that they've got at home and the morale of the squad as a whole, I honestly think top eight would have been probably would have been where we've sat. So you know, if you had three, four, even five quality players to that team, we've got a fantastic squad. But you ha you have got to move on players. I think this is where they've kind of alluded to in the press regarding financial fair play. Because I mean, there is some players there. Like I remember was at last summer. Uh, Kieran Clark, Isaac Hayden and Carl Darlow all signed a brand new deal at the club and I don't think any of them will be there next season they'll probably sign three, four year extensions you know, you've got to yeah, shift them on so I think, I don't think Newcastle will be overly interested in the transfer fees they get for those players no. it'll be more about just shifting them off the wage bill but I certainly think they'll be suitors for a lot of those players, like even Jeff Hendrick, Gale they're all going to be wanted by championship clubs so I, I think in terms of spending in the summer, look, I don't think it'll be a. I think it'll be a, a hundred million pound plus transfer window when you include players will be sold that sort of thing. But you just think that they've they've told, seemingly they've told a lot of the players in the agents that the idea was to, to to qualify for the Champions League and maybe not next year, but definitely within the next few years. And if you're doing that, you need to be investing in that squad every single transfer window. So I think the sixty million spent to me doesn't make sense because how many good players does that get you nowadays? Two players, three. It's not what it two used to if, be. Two, if you're lucky. Exactly. Really. It's it's not what it used to be. I mean, look, we paid 25 million for Chris Wood. So yeah, exactly. It, it, it shows, but I think, like you said, Alex, the answer's probably somewhere in between the middle. But it'll not be, it'll not be 200 million, and it'll not be 50 million. So, but anything's a bonus, lads. I mean, look where we've come from in the last, you know, seven eight months. It's uh, it's oh, been yeah, fantastic. Exactly. But um, no, it's been it's been it's been good to, to chat. Good to be back. On apologies, we didn't get a podcast out last week. It's all very, very busy at the minute um, with uni and Newcastle winning every week and the occasional <laughs> going out, which happens when Newcastle wins. So <laughs> we should be back uh, next week to, to review this game before looking at another really, really difficult match against Manchester City at the Etihad. But thank you, lads, uh, for, for coming on. This has been Time Warp, brought to you by Vavil UK, in association with the Sports Social Network. And from us three boys, thank you very much for listening and we will catch you all next time. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.